This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Hello and welcome back to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Olette Stonechild, and I'm very excited and inspired by this conversation with Lee Joseph. Not to mention, I was saying her name, Alea, during this whole podcast interview, and it's Lee, Lee Joseph. Uh, she is from the Squamish First Nation. She is an ethnobotanist, a researcher, and a community activist, and her goal is to contribute to cultural knowledge, renewal, and connection to indigenous plant foods and medicines. She does this through her skincare line called Squalwin. I invite you to check out her Instagram. Also, if you can support her business through her online store, we talk about plant medicine, connecting back to the land and why it is so important. Without further ado, Lee Joseph. Thank you so much for joining and for taking the time out of your afternoon. If you just want to introduce yourself how you normally would in your language, hi, hi. Hasquail, Lee Joseph, Queensna, Tanachantila, Skoma Shokomeo, Aun Wanoxton, Squalowen, Eoch Tensequetel. Hello, my name is Lee Joseph, and my ancestral name is Stiawit, and I come from the Squamish First Nation. I'm happy to be here today. My heart is full. Yeah, so let's check in. How are you doing? I feel like it's now June. There's a lot of stuff going on in the collective. I watch your Instagram. It seems like you're always busy, collaborations, putting out new products. How are things going uh, for you right now? Yeah, it feels like there's a lot going on, um, <laughs> probably because there is. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's like it's interesting because this is the time of year where so my work is really grounded in connecting to the land through culturally important plants. And so mm. my background in training, like in a Western, I guess, um, lens is as an ethnobotanist, which is someone who studies the cultural interrelationships between people and plants. And then from a cultural and personal standpoint, I've been on this path of learning and reconnecting to plants through mm. um, you know, my cultural lens. And so this time of year, it's like this pull to be out on the land and to be really connected with the seasons and what, you know, different plant medicines and foods are coming into season. And then also because my business, um, Squalowin Botanicals is really, uh, you know, there, there's a lot, it's really dynamic. There's a lot mm. happening there, which is exciting, but I'm really, you know, working to find that balance of connecting to the land and that like really that grounding aspect of the business, as well mm. as, you know, letting that then feed the energy that goes into the business as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, it feels like you're kind of like walking in two worlds, literally, like you're, you're on the land harvesting, having a relationship with plants, but then you do have a, the business side of things where it's like, you have to um, probably make sales and orders and all these other things that you don't see behind the scenes. And how do you keep it all, you know, going? Like, where do you find your balance? What helps you restore? Yeah, so I over this past year, I've grown a team, which has been amazing. So there's four Squamish women working with me on the ground here in, um, in Squamish, doing everything from product batching to order fulfillment to customer relations. And then I have two um, uh, people working at a distance as well. So 
that's been amazing because pretty much this time last year, it was just me. And I realized pretty quickly that I was just not able to keep up, like you say, with all of the aspects of running and growing a business. So definitely like having a team uh, working alongside me has been incredible. And, and it's also allowed me this year during harvest season to go out with a team of women. Uh, we're an all women um, business right now. And so to go out on the land with, with uh, these Squamish, you know, kin and, and family members and harvest together. Mm. And it's just brought like such a different element and such a rich element to, you know, to that business activity but first and foremost it's really about you know reclaiming presence on the land and that knowledge that gives us the you know the confidence and strength to go out and and reconnect with those ancestral rights and relationships on the land uh and then yeah i think i'm i'm part of an indigenous accelerator program called the fireweed fellowship which has been incredible in terms of just bringing the sort of support and expertise into like basically into reach mm. and so that's really helped me to to scale and continue to grow my business this past year and i know it's it's really been growing uh over the last year i was introduced to your work when i did a partnership with rbc and you're also being highlighted um as one of the indigenous businesses and i'm curious to know like where did your vision start for your business and where did your relationship with plant medicine like where did that all begin was that something that you had ever since you were a child or is that something that you started reclaiming uh when you became an adult i'm curious to know like where did this vision start yeah, it's a great question. And I've thought a lot about it and kind of felt into it over the last few years, especially. I I kind of came to this area of work in particular through coming back to university, looking for something that I wanted to study that brought together my desire to be outside, to be reconnecting to my culture and community because I grew up away from Squamish. Mm. And I found out about this area of study and I was so excited and I did everything I you know, needed to do in order to get there, which included a lot of like upgrading courses and just really diving in like in my like with my mind, you know, like just really focused on that cerebral, you know, learning process and that challenge and meeting that challenge. And then I started to realize pretty quickly once I was there, I was studying botany, I was able to take some, you know, ethnobotany courses, but I realized pretty quickly that I was feeling really uncomfortable and really Mm. uh, like just unsettled, I guess, through the literature I was reading, through the conversations that I was having in spaces that were very white dominated. I was the only Indigenous person, especially like in the science programs, Mm -hmm. and then the only Indigenous person in my master's program, and reading literature that was often coming from ethnographers and this Mm -hmm. very extractive place. And on one hand, it's like, okay, here's an amazing historical, um, you know, treasure talking about this particular plant that's so culturally important and and so that's amazing but look at the context and framework that it's in I feel really mm-hmm. uncomfortable and really othered right now so I guess during that time I really started to delve more into the personal piece of it and I started to remember just when I was a child my parents took me around to visit with a lot of different elders mm-hmm. and each of those memories was a place of like calm 
of quiet, mm. of being held in love and zero judgment, you know, maybe other than like, I don't know, blowing bubbles with my gum or something while they were telling the story. Uh, but also like time spent on the land. And in particular, my great uncle and aunt from Snanamath or Nanaimo, when I was a child, we would go out in my uncle's dugout canoe and we would catch fish and I would help him hang fish in his smokehouse and then go to his garden and we'd gather foods to then share as a family. And that for me has framed and continues to frame what is so important about reconnecting, you know, to our identities through access to land and plant foods and medicines is that it brings us together, you know, as families, as community, and it nourishes us as individuals in a way that is based in Indigenous wellness and health practices. Mm. And so Squalowin has kind of become a creative outlet for that work and really bringing like kind of the visual storytelling to that that process. That's amazing. It sounds like not only is your work like your life purpose, but it's also like healing when you're on the land and you're working with others on the land as well. Um, What would be your advice for maybe someone who is feeling the same way? Because I could imagine like it's so uh, intertwined with Indigenous sovereignty, being on the land, honoring the land, honoring the cycles, and then to go learn about it in a school, in a colonial context where, you know, it's probably being exploited. You know, how? what would your advice be for the younger generation who maybe wants to get involved with what you're doing, but is also feeling like this, I don't know, cognitive dissonance, I guess you could say? Yeah, it's a great question. And one of the things that I really looked for when I was an undergrad student and then a graduate student was to to see and hear Indigenous voices and see Indigenous people in the field and Indigenous voices and perspectives in the literature. So that is changing. I, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, that's one goal of mine is to, to write and to publish in this field from my perspective. But I would also give advice to anyone, especially coming in, you know, on the science path or, um, yeah, in an academic setting to, like, one way is to, is to read outside of your field. And I would suggest turning to Indigenous studies because there's so much power, um, you know, in the, the literature within that field that directly connects if you're mm. studying, you know, Indigenous relationships with place or plants or other non-human life. Uh, there's so much that can be drawn on there for really creating a framework and bringing the language to whatever your lived experience is in that path. Uh, you know, know that your presence there is powerful and that everything that you're gaining from that experience will just give you, you know, the foundation to apply it in life after school in a way that you want to, because often it's hard to do that within the walls of an institution, but you then have that power and you have that knowledge to mobilize in a way that you want to. And so I think that's an important thing to remember. 
Yeah, you're really starting on like a strong foundation. Um, And I know like as indigenous people, we have these traditions and these protocols, but the world around us is always changing and we have to adapt kind of with our surroundings. And so I'm curious to know, like, what does your process look like now? You kind of mentioned honoring cycles and, you know, honoring the seasons. Is there a way that you kind of decolonize your perception of even linear time? I'm curious to know, like, what your process looks like now remaining faithful and true to your indigenous roots but also with a world that's ever changing yeah well over this especially over this past year I like I've had mindfulness practices in my life before and they've really helped me through very difficult times and that you know that's looked like um following a meditation practice and and just having even visualizations. And over this last year, I've really found that my, like my work and my time on the land have melded with that into what feels like a land-based and a plant-focused mindfulness practice. And so that for me has really helped me through different difficult times, you know, over this past year, or even just like challenging times to just close my eyes and to actually envision and walk myself through a harvest. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it like, it grounds me in the season, in the time of year, not so much the month, the calendar month, but really like, okay, like during the time that, that our nettles start coming up that's early in the spring. It's the, the sunlight looks like this, the air feels like this. And here's the other plants that are coming out. And so I think that what I've started to live with is a, a growing connection to the seasonal round in this area that was so critical to my ancestors, you know, and, and upheld so many relationships. And I find that that's just such a different place to operate than thinking, you know, oh, okay, like uh, on April 14th, you know, I need to go out and I need to see if this species is ready or, you know, cause that fluctuates and that changes, especially now, you know, year to year. But if I understand kind of the flow of how our plant relatives are coming back, you know, in the spring and summer, then that really helps, I think, to frame even the ways that I'm spending my time, how I talk to my kids about it, you know, the mm. types of harvesting implements we start to kind of get ready. And so, yeah, it's a really nice way to engage with the land in a seasonal way. Yeah. Plant medicine has, um, you know, it's something that I've been wanting to learn more about, but I often feel at times like I live in a city. And so even though we have the ocean and the land, I often feel like disconnected from the land because it is a very busy city. And so I guess what would be your advice be for someone that's looking to connect back to the land, but like is living in a fast paced city, or maybe there's some plants that I should be like inviting into my life. Like, (laughs) I don't know, I need I need the basics. (laughs) totally yeah and I think about this often too when I talk about you know we're we're fortunate in Squamish because I can kind of like you know walk out the back door and there's there are a lot of trails and green spaces but I think in like I have a lot of family and friends who live in urban settings and I think that a couple of things come to mind one is that wherever we are, we can invite these plant medicines into our lives through through planting them. And if you plant a seed or you plant a starter or you transplant a culturally important plant into, you know, a patio box or um, just somewhere to have it in your um, 
you know, in, in close proximity to you, then that's a way in and of itself to, um, you know, to build that connection. And uh, so that's one way. And then it also, you know, gives, I think, an opportunity to really see and witness that plant through its life cycle, because that's such a part of building relationships. Mm. And sometimes it's harder even to get out onto the land and really keep an eye on that particular plant and how it changes. And then another thing that I think you know, this isn't so much, um, individuals could, like if you have access to a community garden or, um, you have friends who have a garden space, uh, looking and doing some research on native plant nurseries, um, in the area and just inviting some of those plants into those spaces, as well as, you know, I think like, any city development um, now should really be looking at indigenizing their landscaping to have those green spaces and those culturally grounded spaces for indigenous populations in the cities. Even if you're coming from different places, it's still a mm -hmm. common space to come to, to honor that relationship and just sit within the beauty of those plant medicines and foods. Do you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite homegrown films and TV shows? Well, it's time to pop some popcorn, go behind the camera, and meet the people who are making it happen. I'm Mariska Fernandez, host of the Maple Popcorn Podcast. In this new series, you will discover exclusive interviews with Canadian icons and hear them talk about Canadian flicks and even break the fifth wall to share set anecdotes. This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female and powered by Telefilm Canada. Subscribe now on the podcast app of your choice and don't miss an episode. Stay in the know by visiting telefilm.ca slash see it all. It's funny that you say that because I have a healer and that's like the first thing she told me. She's like, you need to get plants in your space so that you can watch something grow and create a relationship with that. And I have to say, like, I'm kind of resistant because before I was a I wasn't even a plant mom. I was a babysitter. And then all the plants died. But I was like 18. So like I could barely take care of myself. So <laughs> I felt bad. But I was like, okay, hey, I was at 18. Like now that I'm now that I'm grown, maybe I can develop a better relationship now that my foundation is strong. Um, but one thing that I am mindful of is flower essences. And I have been introducing flower essences in my life for the past year. And I have to say that on a subtle energy level, it has been definitely shifting my emotional states and even like the way I view things. And so I don't know if you're familiar with flower essences or because I know that each plant holds like a vibration for your emotions right am I am I saying this correct <laughs> yeah and it's, it's not really it's that's not my area of knowledge and expertise but I have sourced some flower essence medicines from a friend of mine um Jackie Wilson who's an indigenous naturopathic doctor and on on Instagram I think it's among, oh, yeah, yeah. among I, the wildflowers I'd have yeah, to look at I know her handle about. yeah and so I did because uh, I was working with uh, basically, yeah, a healer and mindfulness, you know, support person. And, and they also suggested working with some flower essences just around, especially like with the heart opening mm -hmm. and just you know, doing that in a safe, supported way. And I have really felt a resonance with 
inviting those medicines into my life. And although I don't prepare them and I don't understand, like I don't have the depth of knowledge like you spoke about, you know, about the different um, like vibrations that, that plants have. But I think, you know, we're learning more and more from both uh, scientific, but when we've known from a cultural, um, you know, viewpoint that plants hold this energy they 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 communicate and interact in in many more ways than we're able to just see visibly and so i think that it's really amazing to think about the you know just how how the energy from those plants can be brought into our lives in ways that are like deeply grounding or enriching you know whatever it is that people are kind of searching for Hmm. Yeah. And you already do that, I think, through a different lens of your skincare line, everything that you're currently making. For those of you who are not familiar with her work, could you explain a little bit behind what your line is and what you hope to do with through your skincare line? Is it just skin or have you branched out to other things? now so swallowin is uh, primarily a skincare line but i do have some wellness products a couple of tea blends and a room spray a calming room spray um as well as bath salts which i guess kind of bridge the um bridge the two but yeah so swollen botanicals is a collection of indigenous uh, plant-based skincare and wellness products that are grounded in a deep respect and relationship with culturally important plants. And so we have everything from um, facial care, so um, facial oils and serums and toners, um, facial cleansing bar, uh, as well as the um, it, it, body oils and bath salts and then the tea blends and and a collection of salves as well and what the idea with squalowin kind of really or i guess where it started was really looking at inviting these culturally important plant ingredients in and doing just really gentle processes with them like infusing them into really beautiful plant oils and then mixing that and blending that with plant butters and steam distilled essential oils and just really creating simple but effective skincare that really highlights and features a culturally at least one culturally important plant ingredient and so each of the each of the products has a squamish name to honor where the um, knowledge is coming from and it's also been really meaningful to me to connect to my Indigenous language, because I'm not a language speaker, but to learn some of the words and to really kind of connect to some of the concepts through language has been really meaningful. And so squalowin is a Squamish word that doesn't have a direct English translation. And I really like that because, you know, it, it, it most closely translates to spiritual heart or essence of being. Mm. Um, but I like that it doesn't translate directly because I've heard from some of the young language speakers who are really renewing that practice and knowledge is that when they learn the Squamish language, there's a whole different reference point for the world. Mm. There's words words that they can't find in English and there's a whole different opportunity for belonging and you know identity and strength I think that comes from that so the language has been a really key part mm -hmm. as well yeah I love how you interweave that because um like you're saying there's colonial English words that will never describe something in a native language because there isn't a context or a definition for it I was reading this book braiding sweetgrass and she talks about the power behind language and the power behind plants 
Um, and through the power of your brand, you know, what do you hope for in the future? What is your vision um, for the rest of 2021? Yeah, so I... I'm in the process of growing this brand. I would love to be the, like, probably the first Canadian Indigenous luxury skincare brand that is top of mind across, like, luxury skincare spaces. I feel that there's an opportunity, and I know that I certainly will not be um, alone in that space for long. There's so many incredible businesses, uh, and I think entrepreneurship is something that comes so naturally to Indigenous people. So I would love if I can, you know, forge a part of the path into that space and to really um, kind of like, I guess, elevate the understanding of what it means to turn to the land for beauty, to turn to the land for grounding and how having some self-care rituals also can, you know, help support us within our own community care like how is it mm-hmm. that we bring ourselves to our families and communities into the land so i would love to yeah continue to grow and scale and increase both our retail and direct-to-consumer um you know businesses we haven't done any paid advertising or anything like that yet and we're going to start this year so it's kind of an exciting opportunity to like get the storytelling out there and, yeah yeah yeah, I can imagine. Um, like, I don't have my own skincare line, obviously, but working as like an influencer and working with brands and wanting to get your face out there, like, I feel like at times it is um, very inspiring, but also very challenging because you've never seen yourself represented in these places. And some brands may not have the best history. And there's like all these other contracts and people don't understand all this other stuff that's happening behind the scenes. And so I guess my question is like, what is one challenge you've faced as an individual and you know, what has been one of your big, yeah, like learning, um, what would you say? Learning, <laughs> learn, not learning obstacle, but like, <laughs> what, like opportunities. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, pain point and growth point. Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I think, early on in this and it like it kind of mirrors my academic experience in some ways too is that I was coming to like both my like my study of culturally important plants and then like my exploration of of starting this business from really heart-driven places you know places that were deeply connected and interwoven with my own personal path my story my family you know my ancestor ancestors and what the, so I think coming from that place at the same time as really learning, you know, and developing my own critical awareness and language around the direct impacts of, you know, colonial history and ongoing um, oppression mm-hmm. on, say, land access or plant knowledge, um, on what beauty means, you know, more like broadly as a society and really looking to shift those narratives. So that in and of itself has been um, really necessary and continues to be and really enriching, but it's also really hard at times Mm -hmm. to be, you know, kind of looking at 
at often what's reflected back, you know, from society is still like, you know, stories of like deficit or um, solely of trauma and not mm-hmm. so much the celebrate, celebration of resilience and strength and beauty. And so I think just keeping going along that path and just really demonstrating without explaining or justifying, just demonstrating this is what indigeneity and beauty looks like this is what Mm. our people on the land look like like take it in (laughs) this is something that is our right you know and and just doing that and letting that infuse into the world as well as some Mm. like specific messaging and dialogue and conversation but I think the that's a big part that's been both challenging but also really I guess enriching yeah yeah like i'm embodying the wisdom almost and embodying the truth um and you've kind of already mentioned like stuff that makes you feel in your power and in your truth but what are practices that you know when you are feeling overwhelmed or lethargic that bring you back to your authority and your power as an indigenous woman So definitely time spent on the land, even if it's just going outside and breathing some fresh air, you know, feeling the wind on my face, that resets me. Um, Physical activity, whether that's related to just, you know, going for a trail walk or like Mm. just that's a real place of renewal for me. And also like you know, getting a good kickboxing class in to really process (laughs) some of the, you know, the the other emotions that come up. Um, And then the ritual, like, uh, you know, I found this this year, I really turned to baths and to, you know, lighting a candle, utilizing one of the, um, like, I I have bath salt blends on hand because we (laughs) have them as part of the business. So, you know, like, bringing one of those basalts in, um, you know, having a book that is really grounding me. Like I've been reading Leanne Simpson's um, latest book. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the name properly, but it's just creating those spaces where it's, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to renew Mm -hmm. and have that ceremony. That's been really, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, really important. You're reminding me of myself. I spend a lot of time in baths and like, I don't know if it's because I'm a water sign, but like, I need to like, just have a bath bomb, bath salts, light a candle. So we do the same exact things. Um, What is one of your favorite products in your line? Well, I use the wild rose facial oil and toner in combination every morning. So I spritz, um, after I cleanse my face, I spritz the toner and then I put the facial oil on right away. And it just like emulsifies and absorbs really beautifully. And I just find that every day is such a nice way to start um, my day. Yeah. Yeah. I believe you gifted me that rose serum. Is it the facial oil? Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, so I have the... Yeah. Yeah, that one I went by... I probably used way too much than what I'm supposed to because, like, it just felt so good on my skin and it kept it hydrated. I definitely need to purchase a new bottle. Um, When we are on this podcast, it's all about Indigenous women's voices and reclaiming our power. And this there's this word called, well, matriarchy, being a matriarch. And I'm curious to know, how do you define a matriarch in your own words? And are there matriarchs you are currently inspired by? Mm. So a matriarch to me just brings up, you know, vision of a powerful 
person, a leader that leads with like deep love, but also strength. And when I think about the matriarchs that have been important in my life and the the women that I turn to, you know, now as well, it it's the, you know, the women who carry with them the lived experience and wisdom and are able to really demonstrate that and then share that with generations that, you know, to come. And I've found, especially in my community-based work with, with my community and other Indigenous communities, I've just had the honour to work with, um, you know, matriarchs in in those different communities. And I find that I just, like, you you know when you're in the presence of one of these women because you just know that you you stop you know you slow down and you listen mm. and I think that that's such a a gift and it's not something that you're being told or you know it's just you know mm-hmm. like okay this is where I kind of I I stand beside you and I just listen and so that's something that I you know, I just, I really value. And then I also think about my grandmothers who are not, you know, no longer here and my great auntie Eva, who I mentioned, and just how they are with me still, and Mm. how I still turn to them, you know, so often and recognize their strength and beauty and leadership. And that's something that's so close to my heart. Mm. It's kind of like a transmission of like our grandmothers, the matriarchs that were before us and the work that we're doing now, spilling that medicine out into the future. And so it's weaving like past, present and future. And we, when we think of Indigenous futurism, you know, what does Indigenous futurism look like to you? So the first thing that comes to mind is just creating something new, you know, creating a new framework, a new blueprint, a new, you know, definition for uh, what it means to bring indigeneity into our lives on, on all levels. And I think part of that, you know, is working within existing systems, certainly, I think, but having more Indigenous representation, like across all aspects of society at the same time is really just creating the vision and the action and the path forward in our own way, you know, as diverse Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. But certainly, you know, I think there's shared commonalities in terms of where some of those pillars of strength and identity are, you know, for our diverse communities. So, I just, I, I think also for me, a big part of that is, is going like turning back to the land and in whatever way that means mm-hmm. you know, for, for you as an individual, but that's a big piece of it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to have that balance of, you know, this is the vision I have, but at the end of the day, I can still go back to the land and I can still feel at home and nourished there. Um, where can people support and follow your work and everything that you're up to? Yeah. So squalowin.com is the website and you can go there to read more about the brand. We have an about video that really features some of my loved ones. My sister is in the video and, and bringing the Squamish language into it. And then just that's where we have our shop. And um, also you can sign up for our newsletter where we share 
lots of information there. And Instagram is Squalo and Botanicals as well. And we have a growing community there and really, yeah, just love engaging with the community in that space. Um, and on the website as well, there's a list of retailers where they carry our products. And we've got a lot of really amazing partnerships in that way um, across Canada. So that's another place to check it out. Sweet. Are you making any new products this year? Yes, we have some new products in the works. Um, and I'm hoping we're bringing back uh, like fan favorite product, the sweetgrass and things. I mean, finally, um, <laughs> we'll be ready for um, the fall. So keep an eye out for that. I didn't ask you about this, though. Do you, does, how long does it take to test something? Because I would imagine you have to make sure you make the right formula and everything. So like, how long is that process in itself? Well, it's different. Like with in-house production, it's a bit different because you have all the ingredients there. You're making the formula. You can, um, you know, set, like you can send it out for sort of lab testing, but you can also just test it within your like, you know, kind of community of people mm. um, in terms of getting the formulation right. And then with outsourcing, which is something that I'm just learning about, it's it's it takes quite a long time because then you're inviting a whole other system. Mm. you know and logistics and and timelines into the process so um i will be able to report back on that i think in the in the coming months for sure <laughs> well thank you so much for sharing your energy and i look forward to the updates and i look forward to getting your new products and seeing them in stores i feel like that's what we need we need more indigenous luxury skincare products in stores where people can literally just grab it but if you want to you can visit her website also follow her on instagram i'll post the links uh below this thank you so much for sharing your wisdom your knowledge and your energy hi hi hope you enjoyed today's episode and i would love your feedback follow me on instagram at shayla0h at matriarch.movement and don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and write where possible I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in.